0: Good morning. If you are uh, new with us or joining us for the first time, we are in part three uh, of a series that we've been going through for Christmas called God With Us. The theme is very fitting and uh, it comes from this verse. Let me read it to you. We'll throw it on the screen. Matthew one twenty three says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Which, what does it mean? It means God is with us. We're talking about how God is with us in the different seasons of our life, that no matter what you're walking through, the different things that different people go through, it it, it doesn't matter, God is still with you. Just as a recap, the first week we talked about how God is with you even when you're walking through a valley, and we talked about how, you know, when you're on the mountaintop, when everything seems to be going the way that you hope it would go, it's really easy to praise God. It's really easy to have faith, we enjoy God when we're on the mountaintops, but it's when you walk through the valley that you truly get to know God intimately. And those who've gone through a valley and had God bring them out the other side, you know what I'm talking about. And then last week, we talked about how some of us are wandering in the wilderness, we all go through that phase, and sometimes your greatest need, the thing that seems to be the thing that you need most in life, if you allow it to direct you into the presence of God, it can actually be one of the greatest gifts you've ever been given. But you have to shift that perspective to see it that way. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about how God is present even in the middle of a storm. Because if you're being honest, some of you are walking through a storm right now as we speak. And I've heard many pastors use this following statement. Many of you have probably heard a variation of this statement before, but a lot of pastors have said, and I actually find it kind of discouraging when they say it, but it's still a very true statement. Not everything that's true is encouraging. Not everything that's true lifts you up. And that statement is, you're always either going through a storm, you're coming out of one, or you're about to experience one. You've all heard a variation of that, and you know every time I heard a pastor say that, I did not say amen, because that's, that's just not a fun thing to think about, but it really is true. It seems like no matter where you are in life, life, you're either going through a difficult time, you're coming out of one, or there's one right around the corner, because that's just how life is. And, and so the question today is, where is God in the midst of a storm? Those storms that we all go through. We had some big storms hit our country over the last few years, right? We had one hit last week. Um, Some big hurricanes over the last couple years. And I was thinking about this. It's kind of funny to me how we've reached this point where we name huge storms after the names of people. Have you noticed that? We have Hurricane Irma. We had Hurricane Harvey. And, uh, you know, it wasn't always that way. If you think about it, would you use that process in any other part of your life? Like, that would be weird. Like, if you were gonna name different excuses that you make in life after names of people, like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, boss, I I couldn't make it into work today. You know, I I just got hit by Hangover Howie. (laughs) Like, that doesn't work. You know, he hit me hard and I just couldn't make it, you know? I mean, it was a category four hangover, you know, it was ridiculous, I'm sorry I couldn't be there, you know, I, I got hit, you know, diarrhea Diana, she hit hard, you know, and um, she was bad, you know, and imagine how weird that would be if you, if you named things like that in your life, these different things you walk through after names of people, that'd be strange. And so anyway, I, I, I dug deep because I think about these, these things and I want to know where they came from and for years this wasn't the case. For years they didn't name storms after people, they actually started by naming the storms after geographic regions, like the place where the storm was or originated. Um, and it wasn't actually until 1954 that what happened is U.S. meteorologists, in 1954, they started naming the most major of the storms after their girlfriends or wives. <laughs> Which, that's like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, that would be like, if, imagine I'm a meteorologist. And this huge storm hits America, and then I go home and I say, you know, Amy, there's this really terrible storm that's coming. It's going to kill a lot of people, bring a lot of damage, and it reminds me of you. So I'm going to call it, you know, I'm going to call it Hurricane Amy. And do you, do you feel loved, you know? And, uh, but, but we do that, and they do that with storms, and that's how it started. They would, they would actually somehow honor their loves after that. And, uh, but after, for 25 years, storms only were named after females. Which I found interesting, but then in 1979, I guess that was the year that we finally got equal rights for storms, they started using male names as well. <laughs> and, um, and so I also learned in my research that if there's a particularly really nasty storm, they actually never reuse the name again. So if you see a name and you've only seen it once to describe a storm, that's because it was a really, really damaging one. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, some of you right now, if you're being honest, you're in the middle of a storm of some sort and you're walking through a storm, and you might be tempted to name that storm. You know, maybe I'm going through, you know, divorce storm, or maybe I'm going through financial storm, or I'm going through relationship storm, or whatever it is that your addiction storm, whatever your kind of storm you're going through, it's tempting to, to try to name it because we're in the middle of something where there's some real, real pain that we're walking through. So what do you do when you're in the middle of a storm? I'm going to answer that question today because um, unfortunately what I've seen is a lot of times when a, when a follower of Jesus is walking through a storm, they, they often will blame the storm on God. And so you'll hear statements like, God, why did you let this happen? And why, why is this happening to me? And how could you do this, God? And, 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 and you, you blame God. I don't understand where you are in this storm, God. And, and our key thought today is this, if you're taking notes. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because he's still there even in, let me say it again, never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. And we're going to spend some time over the next few minutes in Acts chapter 27, the 27th chapter if you want to follow along. And uh, there was this situation in, in that book where the early Christians, there were these men on a boat and the boat was in the middle of this massive crazy storm. And they were scared for their lives. They were throwing cargo overboard to try to lighten the load so the storm might not hit as hard. And they they did not think they were going to survive the storm. They didn't think they were going to get out of it. And we pick up in verse 20, the story, and it says this, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. I wonder how many of you who are going through a storm right now would actually say those very words about the storm you're walking through that it just won't stop. It's continuing to rage all around me. The storm continued raging and they said, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And that phrase really gets to me personally because almost every week in my job, I sit down with somebody who truly has given up all hope. And something's hit them extra hard and they just, they've given up hope and, and uh, you know, there's just no way our marriage is going to work. Or there's just no way we're going to climb out of this financial mess. Or there's just no way that I'm going to heal from the pain that I just experienced in this relationship. Or, you know, I'm never going to get out of this mess. And, and, and so they gave up all hope. Verse 21 says this, After they had gone a long time without food, Paul, the Apostle Paul, stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. And don't some of you want to slap Paul when he says that? Because it's like, you know, you're a jerk. You're on the boat with us. He says, you should have taken my advice. Then you would have spared yourself from damage and loss. And you know, Paul was just a regular guy. That's what we forget about some of these characters in the Bible. They were regular people just like you and I. Sometimes we elevate them to these high spiritual places, but Paul was just like many of us who when somebody does something we told them not to do and then they're in a mess, he wanted to tell them, I told you so. If you did what I said, you wouldn't be in this storm. I gave you the right advice, but you didn't follow it. Because it's true. They were in the middle of the storm by their own choice. They chose to go out on the boat in this risky environment even though they were advised not to do it and they saw the weather that was coming. So in a way, they actually made decisions that put them in the storm. It was their fault. Have you noticed that sometimes in uh, church circles, in Christian circles, a lot of people like to blame the devil every single time they're in a storm? Oh, the devil did this to me and you know, this, this is the devil's fault, that and the devil's fault, this and... You know, and and I I see some of you elbowing each other. It's like, it's your fault, but don't do that. Um, Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because it's your fault, though. It's not the devil. Don't give the devil the credit for everything. Sometimes it's our own stupidity. You know, for example, sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you just spent too much money. You had money that was going to pay your critical bills, but then you spent it on toys and vacation instead, and now you don't have money to pay for food, and it's like, well, you, you dug that hole because of a dumb decision, and we all do that sometimes. Sometimes... Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm not because the devil put you there, but because you let your emotions get the best of you and you said something you shouldn't have said. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you procrastinated and you put it off and now it's caught up with you. Sometimes, you know, you're in the middle of a storm because you you, you feel like it's the devil's fault that you didn't pass your test, but really you were up all night drinking beer and not studying. It's your fault. Sometimes you're in a storm because everybody told you not to date him. Your mom told you not to date him. Your dad told you not to date him. Your pastor told you not to date him. Your best friend told you not to date him. Your fortune cookie told you not to date him. (laughs) And you dated him anyway. And when that many people in your life, guys, say not to date somebody, it usually means don't date him. That many people usually aren't wrong. And so now you find yourself in this situation because you said, well, he's got potential, though. He's got potential. Yeah, potential to ruin your life. You know, and, and so many times we put ourselves by our own decision in a place where there's a storm. And sometimes it is our fault. It's not, you can't blame the devil when you make the decision. And maybe that's why they gave up all hope. Maybe because it was their own fault. Because here, here's what I feel like. I, it's a lot easier for me to ask God and even expect God to get me through a storm when God put me in the storm. But when I realized that I put myself in the middle of that storm, it's a lot harder for me sometimes to ask God to get me out because I feel like, well, it's my own stupidity that got me there, and so I deserve it. I don't deserve to be rescued. I'm just sharing my feelings with you. like That's how I feel. But the storm continued to rage, and it says they gave up all hope. And at the same time, though, there's some people on this boat who, it's not their fault they're on the boat, right? Like, I don't know how large this crew was, but there's some people in this crew who, they probably said when Paul spoke up, you know, I... I don't think it's a good idea to go on this boat. Look at the weather that's coming. Paul warned us against it, but the captain said we got to get on, so let's just follow him and get on. So maybe it wasn't everybody's fault. How many of you have ever been in the middle of a storm that was not your fault? Let me give you some examples. Sometimes as a child, your parents divorce and leave your life in chaos. And you need to hear, if that happened to you, that that was not your fault. A lot of kids grow up thinking it is. It's not. It's not. You know, some people experience a storm when their company downsizes because of decisions that company made, and a whole division's eliminated, and you lose your job that you had for 20 years. That's not your fault, and you need to hear that. Sometimes there's somebody who gave, gave you their word, and you trusted them, and you invested in them, and you got close to them, and then they completely betrayed you. That wasn't your fault. Sometimes we're in the middle of a storm, and it's our fault. Other times we're in the middle of a storm, and it's somebody else's fault. Can we agree with that? Whatever the case may be, though, in the middle of a storm, regardless, sometimes we get to this place where it's really easy to give up hope. The storm continued to rage, it says, and they gave up all hope. Never, ever, guys, let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. This is what Paul says, verse 22. He says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. And I want to say that to some of you today, that you're in a storm. Keep up your courage. Keep up your faith. Okay, stand strong. It's going to be okay. The storm's not going to tear you apart. He says, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And then in verse 23, he says, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Now, let's stop for a moment because, you know, how cocky is that? (laughs) You're in the middle of a boat and an angel stands beside you. An angel of the Lord stands beside you, and you guys might might not be aware of this, but if you believe the Word of God, the Word of God makes it very clear there are angels among us today. That there's a whole spiritual realm that we don't see with our physical eyes that's just as real as the physical realm, and there's battles going on. It's the battles between God and the forces of evil, and it's a very real thing, guys. And you get to this point where you need to recognize that God is with you. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way, and sometimes you're going through something so difficult that you wonder where His presence is, but you need to acknowledge that His presence is still there. And so imagine you're in the middle of a storm, and God just sends His presence there, or He sends an angel there, or whatever it is. Guys, you have no idea sometimes how the presence of God is with you. Sometimes the presence of God is with you because there's an angel there that you can't see, and you've been protected. Sometimes the presence of God is there simply because... Uh, His Spirit's with you, if you're a believer. If you're a believer, it says His Spirit dwells within you, so He's always with you. And you know, He's there when you're hurting. He's there to comfort you. He's there to guide your steps. He's directing you when you're lost. God's already in tomorrow, too. Did you know that? God's not bound by time. We are. He's not. He's already in tomorrow. We're not there yet, but He's already there. He knows everything that's going to be there. He's already participating in it. His presence doesn't go away. Sometimes we have no idea all the ways that God's presence is with us, and sometimes recognizing who's with you is the most important thing you can ever learn. Paul says, an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord stood beside me in the middle of this storm. You guys want some bonus verses? Okay, one of you? I'm going to give them to you then. So these aren't in the story, but they kind of portray the exact same image of the fact that God is with you, because we've got to back it up, right? It's all through Scripture. So in 2 Timothy, Paul, Paul says to Timothy in, in uh, chapter 4, Everybody else deserted me. Not one stood by me. But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. And some of you, you need to realize that, that whatever you're going through right now, He's still standing by you. He's still giving you strength. David said one time in the Old Testament, he said, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right beside me. That's the reason I won't be shaken, because He's right beside me. And that's profound. It's more profound than some of us realize. When you realize that God is with you, it changes your posture. It changes your confidence. It changes how you walk through life, even when you're in the middle of a storm. Like, for example, when I was in high school, I think I was like a sophomore, but there was this senior who was like way bigger than me. Like, he was huge. And like, when I say huge, I don't think you understand what I mean. Like, this is one of those guys that was already shaving in the third grade. Like, he was ferocious. And he got this idea at one point during the school year that he was going to kill me. And he made that clear to me and he'd pass notes and he'd send friends to tell me, hey, he's going to kill you because you looked at him funny. (laughs) I I don't remember that, but okay. And so, you know, I I was trying to steer clear and I'd redirect my path on my way to a different class and just try to avoid this guy because I didn't want to die. Until this one thing happened where this new kid moved to school and I'll never forget it. And uh, this kid was bigger than this other kid. His name was Heath, Hurricane Heath. And... uh, (laughs) And so this storm comes in, and, 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 and uh, you know, there was this weird rumor that he had moved to this school because he had killed a kid at another school. So that worked perfectly for my benefit. So I befriended this guy, and I started walking between classes with him and hanging out with him at, at lunch and breaks and stuff like that. All of a sudden, I had a different posture. All of a sudden, I had a different confidence. All of a sudden, I'd see the guy that wanted to kill me in the hall, and I'd be like, yeah, what? Like, all of a sudden, I became a mouth because I was with the strength. I didn't have that mouth before. <laughs> I was steering clear. But now I'm walking through campus in a completely different way because of who's with me. Because he's stronger, because I feel safe, because I feel protected. And that's, that's, just, that's how it works. And so, when you recognize that even though you're in the presence of a storm... Even though there's scary stuff going on, even though you don't feel as secure as you'd like to, you recognize who is with you and that that is the God who created the universe. That it's the all-knowing, all-powerful God. That He promises He's with you, that His presence is with you. Not only that, but if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that His power lives within you. When you recognize that He's with you in that way, you do get a new posture. And if you don't, you don't recognize the magnitude of what's really going on here, that He's with you and who's with you. You need to understand who's with you. It's all about who's in the boat with you when you're in the middle of a storm. There's this other storm story um, in the New Testament where uh, the disciples are in a different boat, but this crazy storm comes along. And what's funny about this one is Jesus was actually asleep down in the bottom of the boat, and he was with them on this trip. And so this storm comes along, and they do what many of us do, and they start freaking out because they don't remember that Jesus is with them. And they say, What's going on here? We're going to die you know, this isn't fair, and they start questioning God, and they say, you know, get Jesus. Isn't he going to do anything? And, and, and I don't like this. And then Jesus comes up on deck and says, why are you so afraid? You have little faith. And then Jesus says to the storm, peace, be still. And it just silences, which is awesome. And then they experience peace in the boat in the middle of the storm. And you have to ask, why did they experience peace? It wasn't because they were... Uh, removed completely from the storm, never to see a storm again, never to face trouble again. They had peace because Jesus was with them. That's why they had peace. Real peace, guys. Don't miss this. Real peace. Not the peace that you chase that's phony. Not the peace you think you might have. I'm talking about real peace. I'm talking about like the guy that walked up to me before this service started, not even knowing what I was going to preach about, which is so cool. And he said, hey, you know what? I was just thinking yesterday about the fact that I was in the middle of a huge storm (laughs) years ago when my wife passed away from cancer. And he said, but at the same time, through all of that, even though it was a storm that really wrecked me, he said, through the entire thing, I had real peace. Because I knew who was with me, and I knew who was in control. And is that not what we're talking about right now? So what I mean is, I'm talking about real peace, guys. Not what you think is peace or what you feel is peace. I'm talking about peace that you've never even experienced in this earth unless you have Jesus Christ. I'm talking about peace that the Bible describes as the peace that this, much of this world knows nothing of. It's that kind of peace. It's a huge level of peace. Just, uh, It just drives me crazy. That I, I want more people to get that kind of peace. Jesus said it too. Because here's the thing. Real peace, guys, is not found in the absence of storms. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Real peace is not found when you finally achieve a trouble-free life. Because you're never going to. And I'm sorry that some people have been lied to about that, but it's not true. There's nothing in the Word of God that says, give your life to Jesus Christ, and everything becomes happy, safe, secure, and comfortable for the rest of your life. In fact, Jesus himself in, in John 16 says, in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise from Jesus himself. In this world you'll have trouble, but, he says, take heart, because I've overcome the world. And that's the hope that we can hold on to. Real peace is not found in the absence of trouble. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus, and that's the only place you're going to find it. That he's with you, he's right beside me, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. Look, look at verse 23 again. I want you to focus on what Paul said. Paul said, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said... Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, you can't go down in this battle, Paul. You're going to face a battle, but you're not going to go down in it because God's not done with you. God still has some things that He wants you to do. He still has a purpose for your life. You can't go down in this battle because God has more for you to do. He's not finished with you yet. Guys, if you're not done, then you're not... Then, then, then you're not dead. If you're dead, you're not... If you're not dead... Let me start over. If you're not dead, you're not done. Amen. It means God has more for you to do. It means it's not lost. It means He has more people for you to love. It has more opportunities for you to serve others, more, t- more places for you to give. You're not going down in this. He's saying the ship may go down, but you're going to survive. He still has a reason for you to be here. In fact, God will use some of you to help other people going through a similar storm because of the storm you've gone through. And we see that around here constantly. There's a purpose in the storm. It doesn't mean God caused the storm in your life. Sometimes we miss that part. But it means that he will use anything. It says, for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, he'll work anything for good. Even the stuff that you wish never happened in your life, he can work through to bring good and to help you help others through it. We constantly see that. And so one day one of you might say, you know, I was really in the middle of a storm in my marriage and I didn't know if it was going to work out. And, but we survived that issue in our marriage and you can survive it in yours as well. Let me walk you through that. Let me tell you my story. You know, we overcame financial hardship. We did what was right. We climbed out of the hole. You can climb out of the hole as well. Because I walked through that, God can now use that to help other people. I used to be addicted to this or I used to be in bondage to this or that. But, you know, by God's grace, I'm set free now. And He can set you free too. Let me tell you this story. And suddenly you, you start to eventually, as you get through storms and you see God's faithfulness, you start to become this evangelist for the presence of God. Where you're telling people, look, the presence of God is what got me through and, and He was always by my side and God is doing something and He's working in you. And you don't always know it when you're in the storm, right? How many of you have come out of a storm and only then did you see that God was working through it? Only then did you see what came out of it, the results that came out of it. You might even say, I I don't ever want to go through that again. And and I don't want anybody I care about to ever go through that. But at the same time, I see what God did through it. I see that He brought some, some, some depth or some character or some intimacy or some trust. He built my faith as a result of being in that storm. Verse 25, so keep up your courage, men. Keep up your faith, ladies. Keep your faith in God. He says, for I have what? Faith in God. That what? I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. I have faith that it will happen. In other words, my faith is not in what I see, my faith is in what God says. If your only faith is in what you see, it doesn't take any faith. You've already seen it. (laughs) Our faith is supposed to be in what God says, regardless of what we see, and then it will happen. The Bible talks about that a lot. I have faith in God that it will happen. In other words, my faith is not in the boat. My faith is in the very one who commands the wind and the waves. My faith is not in the boat that carries me. My faith is in the one who made the trees that made the boats in the first place. I have faith that God will make it happen, that He will see me through, that He will be my deliverance, that He'll provide, that I'll see His power work, that He'll bring healing, that in the middle of the storm I will experience His peace. I have faith that God will make that happen. And here's the bottom line, guys. You can't control when a storm blows up. You can't control how big that storm is. You can't control when somebody wrongs you. You can't control when somebody speaks ill of you or when somebody comes at you or breaks your trust. You can't control that, but you can control what you believe and what you put your faith in. No matter what the circumstances, you still have free will to control what you believe and what you put your faith in. And my faith is in the one who created the wind and the waves. My faith is in God and what he says because It doesn't always happen the way you wish it would happen, but I have never seen him break his word in my life or anybody else's. He will make it happen. So who is God? In Psalm 46, the psalmist says God is our shelter. In other words, in the middle of a storm, he's our hiding place, he's our safety. It says he's our strength. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. Why? Because he's by our side. Because he's with us. Who is he? He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He is with us. And because he's with us, we will not be afraid. Even if the earth is shaken and the mountains fall into the ocean depths. Even if the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by violence. We could say it this way. Even if this relationship doesn't work out. Even if I face a financial problem. Even if the economy gets shaky. Even if this thing falls apart that I was working on. I still will not be afraid. Why? Because he's with me. Because I believe what he says, not what I see. Because he will never forsake me. Because here's some things scripture uses to describe who he is, if you've never heard these. Because he's the comforter. Because he's my safety. Because he's my strength. He's my source. He's my redeemer. He's my righteousness. Because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Because he's my rock. He's the living bread, the bread of life. He's the water that satisfies my soul. He's the gate through which I enter, the guide who directs my step. He's my comforter that ministers in my time and need. And he's my peace. He's my peace. And remember, peace is not found in the absence of God. It's found in the presence of God. Peace is not found in the absence of a storm, though, either. It's found in the presence of God, even in the middle of a storm. That's where you find peace. Look, the virgin will be with child, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's why you never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. True peace is not found in the absence of a storm, but it's found in the presence of Jesus. And you will face trials and troubles. That's a promise. It's part of life. And true peace is found in the presence of Emmanuel, God with us. It's the only place you're going to find it. My faith is not in what I see. My faith is in what God says, and God says it will happen. The storm will not take you down, and you'll come out. The boat might fall to pieces, but you're going to be okay. Let's have a time of prayer.